when you're facing challenges, to remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? Yes. Today our theme is transformation. Oh, well then no. And Leslie (laughs) is sitting here feeling and being totally transformed because she can read again. I've got uh, new glasses, new old glasses found. I found, that's a metaphor, I found old glasses that were never really lost. Exactly. In fact... (laughs) So our theme today is transformation, and if you've listened to the show before, you know that every week we have a theme, and we talk about that theme and often ask the question, well, what does saying yes to spirit have to do with that, or because I've said yes to spirit, how would I show up as it relates to that theme? Um so that's our theme for today. We have no idea where we're going with it. We haven't talked about it in advance, and uh, that's pretty typical, too. So welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. And before we get into that, let's see. Can connect. I still love my theme music. Now, last week's theme was... does make you smile, and it makes Leslie smile to connect the dots, and what I've never said before on the air about (laughs) our Connect the Dots theme song is one of the reasons I did not shorten it was to give you time to think about what you might say to Ah, Connect the Dots. Ah, there you go. Allow my mind to sink into the idea. That's very thoughtful. That's very thoughtful. So, you know, the sacred contracts and the idea last week was really one of the transformational, is that a good word? Transformational um, concepts for me personally, because I shared last week when the person first shared with me the idea of even my abuser, uh, my childhood abuser, being someone who loved me so much to come into a contract with me to play that part in my life, in the human plane, that was really offensive to me, the concept, the idea of that. And then over several years coming around to really embracing that idea, and it's been very, it's it's a transform, it it was, I can't use that word, transformational. I don't think that's a word. Transformation. Transformational is a word. Transforming, transformative. Transformative. That's it. That's that. That's the. That's it. Life changing. <laughs> I'll just stay with that. It was life changing for me to really embrace that idea, and and I fully. Um, you know, that's one of my core beliefs now. That the people that come into my life that are the most challenging really are doing that out of the most love, and something that I have, um, you know, sort of pre-ordered, so to speak. And so that was it was life changing for me. And I think as I hear different concepts and open my mind to different ideas, each one is trans. Yeah, it's life changing. So, <laughs> so I think those two things work very well together. I think sacred concepts is a concept that certainly can be life changing, and it can even be life changing. I think this is interesting too. And as we talk more about this topic things can be introduced into me that I think and ponder and play around with, and then I say, oh, no, that's not for me. And that's still life-changing because I gave it a thought. I didn't just discount it immediately. 
And I think there's a lot to be said for pondering things. That's one of the reasons I love this hour with you, Tracy Brown, because we can ponder things uninterrupted. Really, how often do you do that in life? Sit down with a friend and have a conversation uninterrupted for an hour about a topic, and you can go. I talk with the women in the jail about having contemplative conversations. You go deeper and deeper and deeper with the same idea. It's This is life-changing. Okay. There we go. There we go. And that is our connected <laughs> dots for this week as we focus on transformation. Can I just say life-changing instead of trans? That word, during, no. I can't, it's hard. Okay. I, but we're going to take a break. And I I predict but by the time we come back from our break, you will be able to say the word transformation. <laughs> You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme this week is transformation. You know, when I think about the transformation, I, without looking it up, I just said, well, what does it mean to transform something? And the words that came to mind were to change something in form or substance. And that came to you without looking it up in a in a in a dictionary. Yeah, that's very impressive. Well, that's what it means to me to change something in form of substance. And I thought, well, what about in our own lives when we feel like we've been through a transformation uh, of some kind? And I thought, well, my form doesn't change most of the time. So is that really a transformation? And then it was like, well, yeah, in substance. If my beliefs really change or the things I do really change, then the substance changes. And then I thought, but actually there are a lot of human examples of transformation where your form does change. Mm-hmm. I have a, a really good friend who has lost over 100 pounds. Oh, wow. And she has transformed her life, but she's also transformed her body. Mm-hmm. And the form of how I do my life, what kinds of things I do physically actually often change when there's been a major transformation. Mm-hmm. I go different places. So in that way, in that sense, my form, where my where I allow my body to be mm. uh, or show up or how, um, you know, if someone goes from being, uh, from being one way and then they do something physical, like they hike all the time or they dance all the time, in some ways that does change your physical form, whether it's for weight loss or just for self-expression. And I can think of examples in when I have seen people go through a spiritual transformation. Ooh, did you notice I said the word? Let's just take a moment. Okay. So when people go through a spiritual, no, I can't say it, uh, life-changing event, then um, there is a different look about them. And I've noticed that in 12-step programs when people are working steps. I've noticed that in metaphysical um, arenas when I'm working with people in spiritual programs. And I have had people say to me that I look different after I've gone through some sort of cathartic or life-changing event or activity or time. And I think it does. I think we get a different a different energy that comes from us 
that is that is in form, even though we don't see it, you know, physically. Now, I hadn't thought about that. And as you said that, it immediately clicked that, what, two months ago I cut my hair? Right. And ever since I cut my hair, I can't even count anymore the number of people who have said, you look lighter, you look different, Mm. you look, you know, like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing's going on, it's just... You know, it's no. This week's no different than last week, and they'll be like, "Really? Well, you're just like radiant or glowing," and it's like, "Well, I only thing that's different is I cut my hair. You know, there's less hair weighing me down. I'm, you know, um, and so in that sense, yeah, a transformation in form." doesn't have to be your whole form and other and that I'm just thinking about that. Sometimes other people give you the feedback when you're not even aware. Right. There's something different about you. But they can't even and it's not even always a new suit or a haircut. It's right. an energy shift right. that people pick up on and they don't even understand what they're picking up on. Right. And I But I, I do because, you know, I'm a specialist part. Right, because you're yeah. mystical. Yes. <laughs> we walking through walls later today. You know, I think that is it is an interesting thing, though, because if we're attuned to it, we see that energy force much more. I can't see. I used to, I practiced for a while seeing auras, mm-hmm. and um, I tried to do that for a period of time, and I, it was too much of an effort. But, you know, so but there is, I mean, there's scientific proof that there's an energy field, you know, around all of us. Right. And that on some level we're we're picking that up energetically, whether we're really aware of it and can see it. Right. And then energy meeting energy. Right. Right. That is actual without us even saying words. Mm-hmm. That is the energy meeting energy. Let's see, your definition of trans. What was the first word you had? A change in form or substance. Change in form. Because every time I've used the word spiritual transformation, transformation, um, I think of it as a remembering of who I am. And so it's not so much of a change as an awareness. Is that interesting? Well, your level of awareness has changed. Oh, okay then. See, there you go. Okay. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not like arguing for <laughs> my definition. You're really right. Connected to the word change. But, yeah, remember. that's what's changed. Yeah, that I have a deeper awareness. Or when I talk about spiritual transformation, I usually will say it's spiritual deepening. Oh, that yeah. Someone like that. Has, or that I have experienced a spiritual deepening, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, what I think, what I do, mm-hmm. what I believe, all of that shifts or changes. And I love that, what you said about Mm -hmm. a spiritual transformation is simply a remembering. Mm -hmm. You know, because one of my most favorite spiritual, spiritually grounding songs is I Am Remembering. I Am Remembering Who I Am. Yes, who wrote that? That'd be worth someone looking up if they've never heard that. Is that yeah, the Michael Gott song? No, it's I, I'm not positive. I want to say it's a Melissa uh, Philippe song, but I'm not absolutely positive. But that's why we have Madam Google. Because really, if you're listening and you haven't heard that song, that and you know now we're just going all over the place. But I have had transformative yeah experiences listening to a song. I've I've literally in the space of a two to three minute song, I have been lifted out of, I have been reawakened, I have deepened in that small period of time. I'm I'm a real proponent of like music, even like we did music therapy in the psych hospitals, the music you being utilizing it as a tool. And that's one of the main reasons I listen to the Christian Exit Station and I kind of modify it to a metaphysical belief, but I, I really believe the music that I listen to has a huge impact on my mind. How's that whole Google thing coming? Well, there are a lot of songs <laughs> by a lot of people that either have the words I am remembering or oh, the title great. I am remembering. So let's 
Melissa Philippe. Oh, that's hysterical. Philippe, I've never even heard of her. That's kind of cool. I am remembering who I am. It is in her songbook, so that means that she must have written or co-written it. How do you spell Philippe? If you P H I double L I double P E Melissa Philippe. It might be Philippe, but I think it's Melissa. I think she pronounces it Melissa Philippe. Um, I am remembering but who it could I be am. Philippe. And actually, I'll now I should know that if I'm going to refer to her. I love it. I'm going to ask her because I know how to find her. Can you play that song? No. Are you smart enough to be able to do that on your computer? <laughs> I can play it on my computer, but I can't play it on Block Talk Radio. Oh, I see. Oh, right. Because it's not royalty-free. Or something. So people look it up. Unless I email, unless I email her this week and um, give her permission to play it next week. Ooh, do that, because we could do it during the Connect the Dots. Okay. Or it may just relate to our theme next week. It's a very powerful song. Yes. But I do, I do think, I mean, would you agree that you can be have a life-changing experience in a three-minute song? Absolutely. Oh, I like that. Are you trying to think of a time that you had a life-changing experience in a three-minute song? No. Oh, okay. That's your, that's your, <laughs> that's your uh, story. Um, I, what I was thinking about was I said yes really quickly. Do I believe that you can have a, a transformation occur in the in the space of three or four minutes and a song. And the deeper answer to that, the thoughtful answer to that is, I don't think the transformation totally occurs then. Mm. I think it's the, or the transformation occurs then because it's based on work that you've been doing or things you've been thinking, and then the song crystallizes it. It's not. Uh, it's not n- new. Although I think it's possible okay. that you could hear a song and just go, "Oh, that's it." Mm-hmm. My, but I. I think most of the time it's you've been either struggling with something or contemplating something for a while, and then you hear the song, and the song captures what it is that you really want or who you're trying to be, and. It brings in the right brain, where your left brain has been thinking about it, analyzing it, mm. deciding, having judgments, all of that. All the thinking has been done. And then you see a piece of art or you hear the perfect song and the right brain, the creative side of your brain comes together. Yes. And then the key is unlocked. Yes. to it blossoming in your life. Because so yes. often we as human beings think. We can think our way through yes. it. We, right. Our language, well, I'm going to figure that out. Yes. Right. Yes. I yes. Yes. am going to figure that I'm gonna, out. I'm going to do that. I'm going to sit down and do that. I'll, I'll create a plan. Mm-hmm. All I need is a good strategy. And we we believe we can think our way to a new destination right. in our lives. And then, especially if it's a surprise, you know, the song or the the piece of, you're in a museum or you're watching a movie and you see a piece of art or you a friend invites you to go to meditation or to some event and there's dance. Mm-hmm. You move your body and all of a sudden that creative side locks on to the thinking side, and together they make a whole movement. And you have just opened up such a a deep um, realization for me. I, those of you who listen to the show know that I work in the jail um, in a program, and the woman that started the program, her initial intention was to bring creativity and color into the incarcerated woman's life because the jail is so black and white and stale and, you know, concrete walls. And she didn't really even understand what she was doing. She kind of had a a life-changing event when she went and volunteered in a jail in Houston and had a spiritual moment or feeling, I need to be helping these women in jail. And she sort of hooked up with this art therapist that she didn't even really understand what she was doing, the woman that founded it initially, and now, seven years later, flash forward, and we have these 64 women that we work with every day, and we have several art therapists, and 
they've done all these studies on exactly how you described it. I'm going to make them go back and listen to it because that's exactly what happens is these women in jail have been through so many treatment centers. They've, you know, been sober in and out of their lives for periods of time. They've worked the steps on and off in Alcoholics Anonymous. But we add art, creativity into every activity that we do with them. And all of the exit interviews and all of the feedback we get from the women, and we have them for a very limited period of time, three weeks to sometimes three months, they will all say something happened while I was in this program. And I don't even know what it was. But it's the art. Because exactly as you say, it it connects and it has that shift that has been building inside on a thought level for years, and they pull in that creative piece, and it's a cathartic moment that is life changing. Yeah, I I really believe we don't, and, and even though I know this, I don't do it all the time. <laughs> Connects to that creative. You know, well, I you do the roller skating. Well, I do the roller skating. I roller skate twice a week, and so that's the physical. And actually, I do roller skating. I do roller skate not so much as a social event. And really, I do it for fitness, but not primarily. And it is true that when I'm skating, it's like when runners talk about the runner's high. I use that time not to think, but to kind of clear my brain so that all the stuff I've been thinking about can can kind of um, crystallize and gel together because my body is focused on the movement. My body is focused on, um, you know, staying safe and not getting knocked down. And so I can't think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about things that are important. And it's amazing how many times, you know, either while I'm skating or when I'm driving home from skating, um, that I'll have that that insight mm-hmm. that transforms a project or that gives me an idea that is a perfect fit for something I've been working on. So I do think, yeah, it's it's something something physical or creative that takes you out of your left brain. Right. And that would be an interesting question for all of us to ponder. I mean, gardening is an idea. I've yes. heard many people get that feeling from gardening or, you know, from drawing themselves? What are some other kinds of organic, creative things that we don't think of? And how how much time do we actually spend in doing that or just being in play? If we have small children going out and really playing on the swing set with them, not just pushing them or not sitting or on the bench them, and watching them, drinking a beer. <laughs> Is that just me? But, um, yeah, that you actually participate in the play with the children. Right. You know, um, another another way that just flashed through in my mind is when I was teaching earlier this year quick spiritual practices or five-minute spiritual practices. I remember practices that, yeah. Well, I said, mm-hmm. um, one of the participants in the class shared an example that she if, if she can do it in five minutes or she can do it in an hour, you know it's flexible and it's it's um, in some places it's called coloring your prayers. Oh, I've never coloring heard of your that. Prayers. Um, there are a couple of other names that are used as well, but coloring your prayers I think is the one that's most common. And um, and what that is is you you basically get totally in your right brain and you, for the creative side, and you have something physical at the same time. Mm. So let's say that um, you called me, Leslie, and you said, um, would you pray for me? I'm not feeling well today. Mm -hmm. And so instead of doing the prayer in words, and, you know, doing a treatment out loud or writing a prayer and staying in my left brain and considering what words are so powerful, I would simply take out my pens or markers and have a piece of paper. And I might do a centering breath or centering. I know that Leslie's health is perfect and divinely um, you know, divinely directed or something, like a one-sentence affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then I would simply clear my brain and, like, meditate with color and let my hands, you know, it it may look like I'm just doodling, 
But I'm totally guided by spirit, what colors to pick up, what shapes to draw. And I'm not trying to draw a picture. Right, right, right. As a healthy being. (laughs) Right. You know, so there's no judgment about it. There's no, it can't be right or wrong. Wow. And you allow the color. And what happens is, you know, for most people, the idea of coloring when you were two years old or, you know, by the time you were five or six, you were already being very much ingrained into stay within the lines. But if you think about when you were one and a half or two years old and they put crayon or finger paint in front of you, you just with wild abandon would say yellow or, you know, you didn't even know the names of the colors, right? Right. You just, this looks good. Oh, what about this? And so coloring with prayer, I mean, coloring your prayers is about that, just having colors and paper and then, like, setting an intention and just seeing what happens. And in that, your creative mind is actually locking in that affirmation or the focus of your prayer. But we know words. See, I love that. And I love the idea then, if you did that for me, then you would give that to me and and there would be some energy sharing within those colors, when I looked at that, I believe I would feel healthier. That's interesting. Because I, I, I know that the, um, in general, it's, you know, it's my experience with the divine, and so I don't know that I necessarily would give it to you. Mm-hmm. However, I agree with you. If I were to give it to you, there has to be an yeah. energetic yeah. connection because it was done in your energy, connecting with your energy in the universal mind, right. my energy connecting with yours. Um, you know, in science of mind and in, it's, well, in science of mind especially, we teach that when we do prayer, quote, unquote, for someone else, that that's really a misnomer because I can't, ever really pray for you. I can only shift universal consciousness of my own. So, But my connection in universal mind, when I declare something, when I claim something that's in universal mind, that is in within the circle of God, it shifts everything that's related to that. So I'm changing my consciousness. So if I do a treatment, you may get up and walk away and, like, that was a bunch of crap or, you know, I I didn't get that. I didn't feel anything. But if I felt it, it doesn't matter whether you feel it or not because I just made the shift in the divine. See, that'd be an interesting topic to ponder for an hour. What? That whole, that, just what you described. Whose consciousness are you changing yeah. when you pray? Yeah, yeah. And if you pray you, for me, wait, wait, wait. are you changing God's consciousness? <laughs> yeah, but if you pray for me and I don't get it, then what's really been done? But that's a whole other topic, you see. But I think it's, yeah, it's interesting. But I like the idea of having the little prayer color thing. And even if I do it for myself, I could see myself saving each one and, like, putting some sort of, you know, note on it. Well, this was my prayer for inner peace. This is my prayer for I I like that. I well like maybe that. that could be your homework you could do over the next um few <laughs> months. I'm gonna have the women do that at the jail. Oh okay. I love I that. think this is a good time for a break. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And our theme today is transformation. You know, it's really interesting um, to think about whether we have major transformations and that then uh, what's the spiritual influence or support that the major transformation needs or that you have a major transformation and then that drives you to deeper spiritual connection? Or do you have spiritual deepening first and then that leads to major transformation in your physical life? And, and both say and both say. Well, I was going to say, and I think all of them can happen and do happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, um, I think what triggered that question partly for me is when you think about the women in the jail, mm-hmm. they've had a major transformation in their um, life and lifestyle by being put in jail. Right. Ooh, I never thought about that being And yeah, life changing. And so transformations can be traumatic mm. or they can be something you wished and dreamed for all your life and be really happy about. But either way, it's a major transformation. So, you know, when something like that happens, you have the opportunity often to have a really spiritual a spiritual deepening. And you already gave an example of kind of the other. If I have a spiritual deepening it transforms, it it becomes the seed or the germ or the Mm -hmm. energy Mm -hmm. that then transforms, causes me to transform my life circumstances, the way I live, what I do, where I go, who I hang out with. And I'm wondering, because I can think of so many life-changing, transformative moments that I think, oh, I've got this now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm all good. I know what I'm doing. I've had this pure experience. And, you know, it lasts for a minute or sometimes maybe a week, maybe a month. And then I'll wake back up and I'm like in the dark shadow again. And I'm thinking, good golly, how many times does this have to happen? Why can't I stay in that state of remembered? Why do I have to keep remembering why don't I remember what I've already remembered? <laughs> oh, wise one, Tracy Brown, why the heck do I find myself still now, especially amidst the dark night of the soul? Because I'm really smarter than that. <laughs> I'm really more aware than that. I've been awakened. How come I keep falling asleep? Is this too much about me? There are so many things <laughs> I would like to say. <laughs> Here. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I can't. And remember, not. you're a practitioner. You have to be loving. I, I, yes, I have made have a commitment to be, to be the light in mm-hmm. the room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, yes. whenever possible, but sometimes it's just not possible. <laughs> no, actually, that's all joking aside. Um, one of the things that one of the things that flashed through my head was Leslie mm. has a deep, deep desire, fundamental belief, and a fundamental belief that her life will not be complete until she walks through a yes. wall. Yes, and so that belief is so strong within you that you know there's a part of me that says. Yeah, so walls have to keep coming up in her life <laughs> until she walks oh, through them. Wow. And, and, and those walls, wow. whether they are physical walls or just a screwed up life experience, or walls in the form of barriers, problems, issues, challenges, wow. You have to have walls if you're going to walk through one. Do you have a website? People need to go to you for a practitioner. That's good, Tracy. That's good. So it's like, uh, so, yeah. So you have to give up that belief? No, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> Since I'm in practitioner mode, I love you it. don't have to do oh, anything. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I can choose to keep going to sleep and waking up and going to sleep and waking up. 
The other, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm really interested. Go ahead. No, the other thing that came to mind for me is, Leslie, you're a human being, and human beings have experiences, and that's what we're here for, to have experiences. And it's not that you forgot. It's you get an opportunity to choose. See, that's another one of my beliefs. I think I could get to that point where I'm 99.999 spirit and the human being piece is just a little dip. That's probably an interesting thing. But and I hope I am sitting next to you 40, 50 years from now <laughs> when you are, quote, unquote, on your deathbed. <laughs> and I will lean over and grab your hand and say, 
Yeah, it, it's it's very very powerful because as you're reading it, it's as it is, you know, God having a conversation with you, the God. human being, yes. God as God, um, and that whole idea of transformation occurs when you embody it. So absolutely, if what you really are embodying is a deep set belief in shame or guilt or anxiety, anxiety or you know what all the stay with me shame and anxiety stay with me. <laughs> okay, Go stay ahead. with you. I'm sorry, like no, any no, of our no, listeners, no, whatever no, your fundamental beliefs no, are, stop listening. All about me. Then that is what will, or as you said, Leslie circumstances and conditions will show up that affirm that fundamental belief because that's what I embody. And that's the deep wisdom that if somebody listening wants to really, you know, go to that Ph.D. level of metaphysics, look at your life. Look at your car, look at your house, look at your bank statement, look at your look at your spouse, look at your children, look at all the things that are in your life. What is the feeling that that brings? And that is the core belief of what you believe. Okay, I have to go now. But it is, but I, I think that the awareness, we have to have the awareness first. I know that's the first step to any change is awareness. Yeah, it's like, okay, the show's over. I know we have 17 minutes remaining, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's it for today. No, just kidding. Laying down. But it is an interesting exercise, and I think um, I think I have absolutely lived my metaphysical life in the last few years thinking I could unlock some magic formula, some get some understanding of some mystical uh, trait and then that I would be able to, you know, um, have that transformation in a moment and then poof, it'd be like bewitched kind of thing, you know? Ooh. Which... Um, Actually, I do believe in still, but I don't know that that's going to be how I experience it. I mean, you have the Eckhart Tolle moment. I was going to say Eckhart Tolle experienced yes, yes. that according to his own report. Correct. So instead of being envious and jealous and bitter and ridiculous, you're not Eckhart that Tolle. I'm not Eckhart Tolle. You have your own I path. I have my own path that seems to be a bit more laborious. Because you but, believe in work. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is deep. Really, yeah. There you, you go. You believe you have to work I for do. stuff. I do. I believe you have to work for stuff. I was taught for insight oh, and change. Gosh. Yes, and things are hard. You and know, right. And if it's if you didn't work hard Man. for it, it wasn't really worth it. What is that thing you can do, like a lobotomy, when you can just <laughs> kind of like fry your brain and start again? Is that? I should. I should. I should not think about that. I'll manifest that. That's bad. But that's an issue. I have. There's too much in my mind to undo. Well, so how do I know, undo it, oh, wise one? What do I do? What do well, I do? Well, it's not oh, wise one. But, you know, I had this conversation with three people this week. Did you? Three, well, this part of the conversation. The question, so how do I change that? How do I fix all these either false beliefs or these things that are happening? And it's really interesting because I do believe that as a practitioner or as a coach or as a you know as a teacher even so often the questions that get asked give me an opportunity to apply that or look at my own life oh, sure. it's like oh that's why this person asked me that question mm-hmm. but three times this week it it just came up in big ways that you don't really release or get rid of any of the other beliefs or the old beliefs or the, you you don't, you know, we spend a lot of time like trying to hammer, it's a nail and we're trying to hammer it down so it's flat and it doesn't stick up to stick out in our lives. But we're just giving attention to that. And what we really do that works is we replace it with the new belief that, you know, there's only so much foreground or there's only so much, you know, what becomes fundamental is it becomes fundamental because we either heard it over and over and over and over again. Right. Or we we did that over and over and over again. So now it it takes up all the real estate. 
Mm-hmm. So if you have, if your life essence or your fundamental belief was a circle that you could make with your hands, and let's say that's how big it is, then right now it's taken up maybe 95% with that fundamental belief. But as you put in new beliefs into the circle, it squeezes the fundamental beliefs down and down and down and down and down, and ultimately your new fundamental belief becomes the thing that drives everything. So we, you know, in all of new thought and in even in traditional, you know, Christianity or Islam or other, we teach people about your choices and what you believe, and you keep telling yourself over and over what you believe now. It, it, and it takes up the space, and then circumstances have to show up in form to that. To that. But if it's just we put a wrapper of of new beliefs, right? We put a wrapper around the fundamental belief. The fundamental belief is still the driver. It's still the engine. You know, I have a metaphor for that. I, um, for several years, did a lot of smudging. The American Indian ritual, when you go into a new home, they used to do in their tents, they'd do a smudging where they would uh, first burn sage. That was to give, uh, get out all the negative energy. And then they would burn cedar to bring in all the positive energy. And somebody explained it to me one time that the sage, if you've ever burned pure sage, it smokes up. And she said the idea of when you're smudging a house is you get it so smoky. She said it fills up the whole space of that room with that smoke. So the negative energy has to go outside of that room. It has to leave that room. There's no space for it. And then you immediately burn the cedar, which is a, you know, in their philosophy, the American Indian philosophy, it's a, a, a conduit of positive energy then you immediately fill up that space with the cedar, which doesn't smoke, but it has a, an you know an aroma, and it, and, it, and it doesn't smoke at all, but it, it, it fills up in that space that's, that negative has been pushed out. There's room for that cedar, that positive, to take hold. So that's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. So I'm going to think of my little sphere of my life and my shame and anxiety and push the mother sucker out. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, 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 is that not what I'm thinking? I'm no, going to have light and love pushing it out. Oh, and oh, it energy. oh, gosh, this is complicated. Tricky, tricky, tricky. So you don't focus so, it on that uh, at all. You focus it, 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 on love and light and goodness and fulfillment and all those things and that what that looks sound like? boring to me. See, that's <laughs> a great indication <laughs> that the other has... What, what will I do power. with all that time if everything's going well? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll be so bored. So, listeners, I just want you to know that Leslie is very entertaining and she is very um, good at expressing this in a way that represents what really happens to people. That's true, it does. But she's not as sick as she is here. <laughs> you know you, how you have you on might, your... You, you might be wrong about that, right? You, you know how in your car and you look at the, <laughs> rear, the mirror on the passenger side and it has the note, you know, cars may not be as close as they appear. <laughs> bigger than they are. Right, yes. uh-huh. yeah. But it is an interesting part, and I certainly the 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 reason I know all of this and can and can you know role play it and actually experience it still way too much in my current life is because I have been through it all, and I and I still do that. I still do that. I mean, I have a real circumstance going on with the state of my house and and the resistance to getting it you know a loving, nurturing, clean spiritual space, and so that's real time, and I. Have gone through this process so many times. Right. It's, like it's I'm the here same again. process. Yeah, it is the same process. And I think, what is that about? Though the thing of, and I had a session with a client this morning, because um, you know it's kind of frightening to think I am a therapist. I, that was having that moment of, you know, she's stopping some drinking, she's stopping some negative behaviors, and she's like, you know, 
and that those were her on board. Right. You know, what do I do with it? Exactly. It feels weird. Was her word. And I think it's an interesting a person in the jail said that too. I don't know what to do. And, and, you know, it's like this space in between what's been so familiar, but it's before you get to the good. So how do you bridge that? How do you stay in the belief of the good when, you know, maybe it's not manifesting in my bank account or, you know, I still have a ridiculous house, but but, but, but my mindset is changing. Yeah, I do think that's the hardest time because I think so often for many of us, myself included, when we're in the time of crisis or something um, really big, really traumatic, or really scary happens, in that moment it is so easy to be righteous. It is so easy to be, okay, this is what I want, and I'll do my affirmations, and I'll, you know, I'll do all the things I know to do. And then things kind of settle down, and you're right. The good, the the ultimate good or the outcome hasn't shown up mm-hmm. in physical form. Right. Although, because we forget that it is showing up in physical form because what was causing the most pain is not here anymore. Mm. This is this place of emptiness or boredom or fallow or slow is a physical manifestation of unattachment to whatever was creating the crisis or the fear or the anxiety or the shame or whatever. So, But we don't see it that way in our human form. We see it as boring, weird, empty, unknown, uncertain. And we start to go, well, maybe I'm not ever going to get this other right. end result. Or I don't know what that end result's going to look like. I, and I'm claiming right. sobriety, but I don't really know what to do because oh, I've never been there. Right. So we stop doing our visualizations. We stop doing our prayer. We stop doing our affirmations. And we get stuck in, we get stuck uh-huh. in this is weird or this is boring or, you know, just the unknown. And when we stop doing our affirmations 70 times a day Uh or we stop doing the things that moved us from where we were to where we are, then we just sit there. And it is really easy to slip back toward the other because that's what our body knows, that's what our brain knows, that's what our life circumstances knows and Mm -hmm. is familiar with. You know, and yet we a month, a year later, we realize we're right back where we started from. You know, it's interesting. I had an Al-Anon sponsor years ago tell me uh, that she had read somewhere the idea that the, the annals of heaven, I don't even know what that means, but like the record-keeping of heaven is full of stories of people that stopped the race 10 feet before they were through. And it's like we get so close to crossing over that finish line and, and the manifestation in physical form of something fabulous because, you know, we've run all this whole long race and we think, oh, good heavens, it can't be, I can't do it. I can't walk, you know, two more feet. Right. Uh, I, I've walked this far and nothing is nothing really changed. Right. And Even so, though it really is Yeah, changed. it is changed, each step. And so she used to always say, you know, you just have to keep, putting that belief and that foot one foot in front of the other. And um, and there is a lot of wisdom to that. And then when you cross over, it is kind of a, and, you know, but then like you say, I think that was very, I like that a lot, that the song perhaps is the, did I, I didn't do it as full force that time, did I? Is the, that's better, moment, right? I cannot wait to listen to the recording of this. That's not. This is a Let's show I'm going to actually have to go back and like, listen to and fast forward we to did and not 45 really. minutes in just so I can did hear it. That. Yeah, I'm not doing it again. But anyway, so that moment comes in the song, but it really has been, you know, kind of crescendoing up. I was going to use another reference, but that probably wouldn't be appropriate for the radio. But, you know, I think that, that you can have a lot of foreplay, so to speak, so you get to that moment, and you forget the foreplay because you're looking for that moment. But the foreplay is an important part of creating the moment. I think I did that very ambiguously in a very good way. I think you did. The metaphor works, though. The metaphor it definitely does. works. It absolutely does. 
So what is a spirit? So the affirmation, you know, and I think of this, it's a metaphysical, I don't know if you'd have to pay someone to do it on the radio as well, but the uh, fear to faith exercise. Mm-hmm. The fear to faith process that is um, that was created by Sutton and Strom on sacreddays.org. You can find it there. But yeah, it's an amazing it's an process. It's an amazing process. That uses your left and right brain with pictures and words and the process itself to get you to really identify what fear is getting in the way and what you habitually do when that fear shows up. So if I am, or what false belief you have, and when that false belief gets triggered, what behavior shows up. And what's the website? Sacreddays.org, and then look for Fear to Faith. That's a powerful, if you are listening, and I'm going to go download that myself to do that again, because I did it a couple of years ago, and part of the process, when you said that 70 times 7, is the idea of saying 70 affirmations for a seven-day period. And that was life-changing for me when I did that a couple of years ago. That was a good reminder for me. That's a huge spiritual practice that I can do in a week's time. Yeah, and because that just gives you that beginning of a breakthrough. Plus, when when you make a commitment to do that prayer, that releasing prayer 70 times a day, for most people what happens is day one, you're actually counting, and it seems like 70 is a lot, and, you know, and you finally get to 70, and you're like, thank goodness, I'm done for today. And then day two, you, you know, do the same thing with a little less um, tension, and you may do a few more than 70 just because, you know, you are in the rhythm of doing it. By day three, for most people, They don't manually count to 70 because they have the feel for it, and they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to do 20 before I go to work and 20 at lunch, and then, you know, at dinner I'll do 20, and then I'll go to bed and do 20, and, you know, it'll be 80, but it's easy. And um, and Because there's movement, there's body movement. There's body movement. Along with the words, yeah. And to lock it in. And so then you realize by day four, you probably are doing it 100 or 110 times. And a lot of times now for me when I do the fear of faith process or when I'm doing the releasing prayer 70 times 7, I won't stop at seven days. You know? Oh, right. So that affirmation, that, that releasing prayer becomes so much of an affirmation that I'll use it for another week or two. Mm-hmm. And it just more. Yeah, that's a great spiritual practice. And that's a different one we haven't talked about. Yeah. And I think, because I think all spiritual practices lead to that moment of life-changing, transformative, I said the word, you know, kind of experiences that I think really are available to us in line with the 7-Eleven. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in that, that it can happen at any moment, in any place. Absolutely. Transformation is happening in our lives every day, every minute. We just don't give it that power. Yeah, that expectation you know, of it. Right, that it's transforming my life. But, you know, really, technically, every day when we wake up, we have a fresh start. And we are not the same person we were the day before. So we encourage you to, as you go through this week, every day ask, how have I transformed my life? Or how is my life today transformed from who I was yesterday? Mm -hmm. And uh, look for opportunities to allow spirit to work in, as, and through you to change your life in form or substance. Nice comeback to the beginning, Trace. (laughs) Nice. So that's all the time we have for Say Yes to Spirit this week. And until we talk again, say yes to spirit.
the best-reviewed movie of Christmas with an incredible 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The perfect blend of action, heart, and humor. Not just a great Transformers movie, a great movie, period. Bumblebee, now playing. Rated PG-13.